What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Sunday night as we record this, January 24th. My name is Rob Doster. The gentleman that you see right there with me is the one and only Deshaun Butler, former West Virginia All-American. And the Chiefs and the Buccaneers are heading to the Super Bowl. Deshaun, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I can't complain, man. All is well, as well. Kids are asleep. I have the most important part of my night. It's talking basketball with you, so I'm very happy. Most the most fun I have tonight. I'm honored, man. I'm honored. Perfect. I'm honored. Did, did you? How much of the football games did you watch? Did you get to watch any of it? No, uh, I. We are knee deep in the Avengers, the Avengers uh, timeline right now. I think we've made it to Doctor Strange. I was watching the game from uh, my phone, a little bit of it, but not much. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I had the same situation going. We had uh, I, we had the sound going like while we were eating dinner. Um, <laughs> and then like I was on. Uh, uh, so I made dinner and then I, I did the dishes tonight. Which somehow I, I got stuck doing both making dinner and cleaning up dinner. Um, so like I, I had it on, on my phone when it was going, like when I was trying to do dishes and stuff. So um, I kind of like I tracked it. But I mean, I, I have so much trouble getting into any kind of football if I don't have like if I'm not betting on it or I don't have like fantasy football implications or anything. Yeah. yeah. At least you get to listen to this stuff at the table. That's a big no, no in our house. <laughs> I get scolded. So, and the children too. So we, uh, we all, we know our roles here in the house and we don't turn uh, devices on at the table. <laughs> well, normally, normally we don't do that, but uh, I, I, I made a, I made an exception. I said, since I got, since I had to make dinner, um, I was going to leave it on. So. Um, there you go. Had, Put your foot down, we, Rob. We had a, not, no, I, I never, I no, never do. Joking. Like, I yeah, like joking, what, what's funny? Like, my, so that 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 never uh, never ever works in my house. Like, it would never uh, ever work in my house. Yeah. I, I don't I don't make any kind of decisions. But I was like, I was I basically just pleaded, like, can we just leave this on so I could track it? But like, I I didn't even care at that point, man. Like, I just I'm so divested from the NFL at this point. I it's it, I don't know. As, yeah, I, I just I, I find it very difficult to care all that much about the NFL uh, this year. But this is not an NFL podcast, which is great because no, n- neither of us know anything about football. Apparently, I, I'm good. This, this <laughs> is a college basketball podcast. It is the Monday Over Reactions podcast, and I got plenty of things to fire at you. We have plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, we got to get to to Kansas. We're de- definitely going to talk about Iowa. Um, I do want to talk about some coaches that are on the quote unquote hot seat. Uh, and of course there were some big wins, wins that we have to get to, but the first thing that I want to talk about is, uh, Jerry Stackhouse after Vanderbilt lost to Arkansas, just completely threw his team under the bus. He, um, he said, we have guys that, uh, that, that basically said we have guys that don't really want to play. 
Um, and he specifically went out and uh, threw a freshman named Miles Stu under the bus. And this is what he said. He says, you hate to point out one, one, uh, you hate to point out one thing, one guy, but it's just today. It was literally Miles Stu. I couldn't even keep him in the game. And freshmen are going to have ups and downs, but they're supposed to be able to play well at home. I expect them to not to, to for- perform as well on the road. That's typically what role players and young guys struggle with. But we get, again, those three middle drives. that led, And then he went on on some other note. But he specifically called out and specifically named a freshman for uh, not playing up to his potential. And that, I mean, that wasn't the only – like he, he kind of went off. So I'm just curious, like you – you played for a guy that is probably as uh, intense as anybody in college basketball. You played at the NBA level. You played professionally overseas for a long time. Um, eventually, you're going to get into coaching. I'm assuming. So, um, what what do you make of that? Is that something? Is that the way that you would handle that situation? Are you okay with that? If you were, uh, if that was your son or, or someone that played for like your AAU program, how would you feel about Jerry Stackhouse doing that? Because I have all kinds of takes and I, I don't think that it's the right thing to do, but I'm going to give you the floor on this one. Um, I had talked to a ton of my, uh, I, I heard some of the stuff he said. I didn't, I didn't hear the uh, part about him uh, talking about my student, which I feel is like, well, first of all, everything he said, I, I didn't really too, too much agree with, but that just to throw a kid, the, the kid personally, just to speak his name and throw him under the bus. That's, I feel like that's a no-no. You can't do that as a coach. Um, huh. Why I want to get into coaching, and I'm not sure if everybody else wants to get, like, what their reasons are for, but, I mean, I love basketball, and I don't know the ins and outs of the business. I see and I saw how tough it is for our head coach and our assistant coaches when I was at WVU as a grad assistant, um, how tough it is for – the coaches at the professional levels overseas and in the NBA, like it's, it's guys like, it's like almost like a presidential type deal where, you know, you see them when they get the job and they're young and then all the stress because of the job and everything that the job entails. And these dudes like look older and everything like that. Um, <laughs> like, but it, hey, 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 look, that is true. After a long no, season, like, like a guy gets a head coaching <laughs> job, and all of a sudden, two years later, he's got white hair. Like Tony exactly. Bennett was, right. Tony Bennett was like this handsome, handsome young man, and then uh, you know he gets a head coaching job in Virginia. That he has to go up against Duke in North Carolina and Syracuse and Virginia, or I'm sorry, Syracuse and Louisville, uh, yeah, two times man. every year. And all of a sudden, he's the silver fox. Exactly, like, and it's takes a toll. It's a, tough, it's a tough job, and the job only gets tougher if you want to do the job because of just wins and losses wins and losses can't be why you want to coach and I kind of feel like he's he was frustrated because of he named some of the reasons why he was frustrated so I'm not going to assume that just the winning is the most important he named things about you know him going over things with these guys constantly day in and day out and then making the same mistakes in the games and and just think there's no carryover. I remember him saying, but you can't, he's been in the business of basketball, like professionally, he, he went to like you know, he, he knows what it's like to be in these players shoes. He wouldn't have liked that. If he played, why would you do it to the player? Why subject these younger dudes? Who I mean, I, I just, you, you're supposed to be able to, and this is a, one of the quotes from my friends when I talked to him about it. He's like, you're supposed to be able to like hold this mirror up to these players and show them the best parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. Where is that 
when you do stuff like that, when you go out to the media and lash out at your team, <laughs> like what, like how is that helping them see the best parts of themselves? When you point out the, 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 a particular player who's a freshman, by the way, who you, he, how do you start off saying, you know, I know you're a freshman and yada, 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 but like he's a freshman. And you're expecting him to, and also in the same sense, in another sentence, he like killed his four-year and five-year guys. Like, you can't, you can't do stuff like that. You won't, you won't keep a locker room. You won't garner any respect. I mean, I don't know how they feel about him. I don't, I can't say you won't, you can't. Like, they probably still respect him. They probably still have love for him. But I know it can definitely cause a strain on the team if I was on the team and the coach decided to do that instead of just talk to me personally. And maybe he you did got, talk to this guy. You got to keep it in house. You but you got to keep it in house. house. You can't. Yep. You can't just spill that out. Like that's. It's one thing if you said that to your staff. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's just like, geez, that's kind of. It's tough. But I mean, but, if you said it to like, your staff. Even then, it's your staff. It's in house. Yes. You just went out and went on a rant, and not to mention he's like going back and forth on Twitter with people. Yeah. And it's just like, bro, like, what are you? What are you doing? Like, and I've. I'm not coaching. So I know, like, I don't know the ins and outs of like, what's making this more, like the most difficult for him. Like what's causing him this stress. But I, I do know like you're as a coach, you, that's not what you're in it for. You're not supposed the, to be, that should never come to that. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. And, and the biggest issue that I have with it is that um, when you are, it, it's the dynamic of, a coach who is who made like fifty million dollars, probably more than that, playing in the NBA, right? Like he he made he's generationally wealthy, right? Like his grandkids grandkids are never going to have to worry about money. Um, he's making seven figures as the head coach at Vanderbilt, uh, while these kids are being forced to play uh, because in in a <laughs> in a situation where like they're they're horrible, right? Vanderbilt's terrible. They're all five. They might not win a game in the SEC. They stink. And yeah, these kids are being forced to, yeah, they're being forced to play because Jerry Stackhouse's salary's got to get paid. Um, we need an NCAA tournament to happen so that the NCAA doesn't go belly up. Uh, it's just in a year with all of this stuff going on, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I just I can't understand what would drive somebody to <laughs> to do that. Like, I, and look, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be pissed. And I'm yeah, not saying sure. that he shouldn't be frustrated. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't go back into that locker room and motherfuck Miles Stute if Miles Stute was would miss a rotation or was not doing what he was told to do sure. or was like not playing hard or, or or was just not into it. Like you could cuss your guy out in the locker room. I I I, I I'm sure, I'm sure that you've done stuff in practice or in games that caused Bob Huggins to yell so hard that he literally melted the paint off of the walls in the locker room. Yeah, right? I've done like, I've done things off the court that cost him to do that. But let alone on the floor. Like, yeah, but so. you know, you know, what, you know what Bob Huggins probably would have never done. He probably never would have gone to the media and said, "Hey, Deshaun Butler, fuck this up. Deshaun Butler exactly. messed this up." Um, you just can't do that. And and also, if you're talking about a guy that is like the star of your team, like a senior leader that you know can handle it, where you know that like saying that kind of thing is going to light the fire under him. Like they, again, that's a different conversation. There, there are specific instances where like calling a player out in the press is can be useful, right? 
but like with a, with a freshman in this in this situation, like I just I just think it's so wrong. Um, yeah, I can't even see I, it. I can't see it. I can't, I can't see the way around it. Yeah. And and you know we're, we're we're being consistent here, man. Like we we killed Coach Cal for doing this early in the season when he put out a statement being like we're kicking Cam Fletcher off the team. And um, again, like I understood the frustration with Cal, but like you you can't. <laughs> You just can't he, put that stuff out there, man. I just he don't, used I'm, Cal as a reference too, and this, this thing. Yeah, that was that was the funny part. Like I was like, like, he was wrong. It's <laughs> like yeah. he was wrong. It's like you use like, the wrong guy as a reference. Like, yeah, I mean, look, I, I I kind of understand the point that he was trying to make, but like, if you're Jerry Jerry Sackhouse in his career is 15 and 28, and he's three and 20 in the SEC in his career, <laughs> John, John Calipari is having a bad season, right? Yeah. Jerry Stackhouse has done nothing to make us think that he's anything other than a bad coach. Bad, right. Yeah, so exactly. like you can't, you can't be like invoking John Calipari's name uh, at this point. All <laughs> right. That's, I just, I just wanted to take on it because I, I, I knew how I felt and I was um, I, I didn't play like I, I didn't live it like you lived it. So uh, I thought that was interesting. All right. Before we get into some of the Monday overreactions, I do have to let you guys know that today's episode is presented by Front Office Sports, the leading publication covering the business of sports. Here on Dawson or Deshaun, we mostly discuss the action on the court. But if you want to know about the multi billion dollar industry driving college basketball and college football, Front Office Sports is your go to source. FOS College is a free weekly newsletter that cuts through the noise and brings you originally reported stories on the business behind college athletics with an audience that includes everyone from division one athletic directors to diehard fans. FOS college has you covered with the stories behind the March madness bubble, the latest on the name image and likeness rules, TV and media rights deals, and much, much more. So visit frontofficesports.com for the biggest stories on the business of sports and subscribe to the weekly FOS College newsletter or their daily newsletter covering the entire sports industry by navigating to newsletters on the uh, the newsletters page on the frontofficesports.com website. We'll also include a link in the show notes, so check that out. Uh, it's actually run by a buddy of mine named Edgar Walker who is really good at uh, developing um, internet brands, and he helped us figure out how to get a field of 68 off the ground. So shout out to Edgar Walker for that. All right, Deshaun, let's get to the Monday over reactions, man. This is, this is the best part of my week. This is my favorite part of, uh, of doing these podcasts. The first thing, first thing that I kind of want to dive into on this um, is, uh, is this, is this season, what we're seeing right now from Kansas, they've lost three in a row Uh, on Saturday. They fell at Oklahoma, who's who's pretty good, but it's not great. And, and yeah. um, Kansas was favored on the road. They were projected to win on Kempom. So I think Kansas, you can say, is a better team. They lost that game. Is this where we really start to see uh, the fall from grace from for, for, for Kansas for what they're gonna what they have gone through and what they are going to be <clears throat> going through as a result of this uh, this investigation um, into the program and what I'm assuming is going to be a bunch of sanctions coming down from the NCAA whenever that gets figured out. Fall from grace. Um, uh, as far as like is when you say fall from grace, you're talking okay, about okay. Let me yeah, you're right. That's what I say. Yeah. I want to know like because yeah, let me let me define that. This is this is their first this is their first official slap on the wrist. I would assume or getting ready to get slapped on the wrist. And yeah, basketball wise, this is like a a year, but I don't see him like you know turning into like going from this great program to 
nothing. Because yeah, I, don't I mean, that. They, they are Kansas, and they do have Bill Self, and they're always going to have money, and they're always going to have tradition. But I think that we are, for a while, we're going to see them kind of be like the other guy in the Big 12. I don't think that we're going to see them like winning Big 12s. I don't think we're going to see them uh, being the favorite to win the national title like they were last year. I don't think we're going to see them being um, Final Four caliber teams. I think they're going to be kind of in that like 20 to 25 range for a fairly extended period as they uh, deal with kind of the the effects of what has like the the way that that this uh, the looming sanctions have mm-hmm. kind of impacted their recruiting already. And yeah. what what what's going to end up coming down the pipeline in terms of maybe potential postseason bans, maybe sanctions for Bill Self, suspensions. I don't know. So I, I just think that uh, we are looking at what could end up being um, a, a sustained period of uh, maybe mediocrity is the wrong word, but at least mediocrity when it comes to the expectations that you find at a program like Kansas. I mean, when those things fall in general, like those things are damaging to any program. It doesn't matter if it's a a small, a small, like uh, a small instant, like for example, which Oklahoma state is get like in between almost like they're waiting to figure out what's going on. Maybe not for this postseason, but maybe next, but, or whatever their, their punishment may be, but those things can affect any team. Like I bring up Oklahoma state, they lost the two or three, even four guys last year uh, coming into the season. And they, they had an entire new team. They had to bring in a, a bunch of new players. So it, it can affect plenty of pe- people. Kansas definitely will be affected. But like you said, I feel that b- if Bill Self can stick this out and obviously the, the fans and the <laughs> the university and everybody can just hold it, like hold it together through the tough part. I mean, I don't see Kansas just being a pushover ever. I don't see Kansas being this absolutely terrible team. Like there were teams that didn't go to the tournament, and they still found a way to compete and make it make it worth their uh, those players' time. Like even if they didn't have a postseason, yeah, and and it's possible. Yeah, I mean, you could say I think right now is exactly this season is proof of what you're kind of saying there. Because if you look at like this roster, you know, we talked about it last week, man. Like you ain't scared of anyone on that roster. Yeah, you no, know? um, nah, 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 and- nah, not. They don't really have a point card. They don't have a set. Like we've we've kind of talked about those issues that nausea. And like some of it is not entirely self's fault. Um, you know, if Quentin Grimes was there, I think that would change a lot of their problems. Quentin Grimes is averaging uh, 18 points and, and um, two and a half assists at Houston as their best player, as a potential All-American for a top 10 team. Um, so if he was still on Kansas, I think that would certainly change things. And also not having Devon Dotson, who went pro – um, and did not uh, get drafted and has played 10 minutes this season for Chicago. Um, and I, like, I don't fault him for it. Uh, he's, he's getting paid a lot more at a, uh, he's getting paid a lot more at Chicago than he was getting paid when he was at, uh, at Kansas. So yeah, guaranteed. Um, <laughs> guaranteed um, money. <laughs> so, so it, uh, like that, that has certainly impacted them as well. Um, losing guys that they thought they were going to have. But uh, I think we're, we're really starting to see, like, Bill Seth how to go to Juco route. Like he got a couple of Juco guys on this roster. Yeah. Right. And like how I, often. And then they're panning out right now as of right now, but it's tough for, I always say it's tough for junior college guys to get acclimated sometime. Not all, not all junior college guys. If anybody, any one of you guys ever listened to our, our podcast, but for most, it is very difficult to get acclimated on a team of guys who's already been there. They already have a chemistry. You're, you're the new guy, not to mention you're going to be the new guy in a new team 
you got to understand the coach's temperature. You got to understand the team's temperature and you got to infuse yourself in that group. It's not easy, especially uh, it's just, it's just not an easy job, man. So always, yeah, and uh, you're also like, you're coming in as a junior too. So you're exactly. basically a freshman, but you only have two years of eligibility. Two years of eligibility so, exactly. so, so there's not as much incentive for people to, uh, work on, on like developing you as a player. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's when you've got a freshman coming in and you know, you're going to have them for four years. Like you've got to get them better because they're going to be there for four years. Exactly. Whereas like Juco players, a lot of times they get brought in to kind of like just plug a gap that you have in your rotation. Or it's like, oh man, we really need a, a, someone that can guard wings because <clears> we don't have that. So let's go find this Juco kid and uh, hope he can pan out. And if he doesn't, whatever, it's only two years worth of scholarships that we're going to lose kind of a thing so you're a lot of times it's you kind of run into a situation like that so um i get it but like i just i think that um the impact that some of these sanctions and it's not even just the sanctions man because we're seeing it right now it's like the 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 looming threat of those sanctions is what really impacts the recruiting because once you get it like that's that's a, that's that's why you see teams like Auburn and you see teams like Arizona implement these these uh, self imposed these postseason bans because they just want to get that shit over with, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I've I've talked to a couple of the, the coaches that are um, that are dealing with this situation, and they were like, the reason why you would you would you would put this thing into into place, why you would self impose a ban, is because you don't want to have to have like a five year punishment for something that's going to be a one-year postseason ban. Because as long as this is hanging over your head, and as long as there's always the potential that the next season is going to be the one where there is no postseason, exactly. then, then that's that that like that impacts you. Because any, any every player that you have, especially if you're someone that can recruit one of Duns, if they don't have the chance, to, uh, the potential that they don't get to play in the NCAA tournament, that can impact who you get. So this, it's impacted Kansas, and we're really seeing it play out this season. Uh, and I expect a lot more seasons like this one, moving forward for the Jayhawks than like what we saw last year when they were the clear cut number one team in the country. Uh, and, and at least my pick to win the national title had the NCAA tournament happened. I mean, they're definitely not the same team. So you can see it. It's just, and then these sanctions, like you say, that may be coming down. It could, it, it's going to be a nice little body blow to the, to the program, but I feel like they, they just won't go away. I just don't see them going yeah, away. They, <laughs> I just you know, can't foresee you know, that it, it kind of reminds me of Kentucky, like the, the late 80s and early 90s, mm-hmm. how um, it was uh, – which I can't uh, – I'm blanking on the coach's name, and I should know who it was. Um, Eddie Sutton was the head coach. I can't remember the name of the assistant. But you remember that whole thing where, like, uh, some, some mailman found $1,000 cash in an envelope that was supposed to be sent to a, a recruit? Um, and uh, Kentucky got in trouble. They ended up getting put on probation. And I think they got the two-year postseason ban when Eddie Sutton was there. Um, and then that, like, Patino was the next guy to come in. And they had the Unforgettables, which was the team that, like, 92, and they made it to the Final Four with a Christian yeah, Leitner yeah, shot and all that. Yeah. So um, I can see Kansas going through something that's a little bit similar. Like, I don't – maybe Bill Self is the guy to lead him through it. Maybe not. I, it's probably too too soon to really um, – speculate too much on, on what is going to happen with him long-term. Although he has uh, told me before that like, he's, he's staying at Kansas. He's like, he, he doesn't understand why everyone keeps uh, it's funny, man. Like his, I think he was in a groomsman for RC Buford or RC Buford was a groomsman yeah. for him. So yeah. everyone always says Bill self is going to be the guy to replace uh, Popovich and self will always tell you. And he said it to me before. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand why people always make that connection. Well, it's because pop is old. 
R.C. Buford is the guy that's going to decide who to hire to replace him. Yeah. And you and R.C. Buford are really good friends. And you might be looking at like a five-year postseason ban at Kansas. I, want, I wonder why people connect those dots, Bill Self. I, 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 want, I wonder why it happened. Hey, man. My, man. my man says he's going to stay at Kansas to believe him. Yeah, yeah, until until he's not there anymore. Until he's not um, there anymore, exactly. All right, let's move on. I do want to talk about Iowa um, because they got run out of the gym uh, in the second half against Indiana. And I went back and I I watched it, and um, I'll have something on my newsletter uh, tomorrow about it. Uh, So I got got all the takes, man. I got got fresh takes on this game. I just watched it. But um, to me – the issues that, that Iowa had defensively were glaring and were evident, but the biggest problem facing them from that game is that uh, – so Luka Garza didn't get a post-touch. Like, Indiana went on that 23-3 run. Yeah. Luka Garza didn't get a post-touch that during that entire run. There was an eight-minute stretch where he did not get a single touch on the block, and that's because Indiana just started doubling him, and Iowa shot one for 10 from three in the second half. The only three that they made in the second half was when Luka Garza hit one when Iowa was down 13 with 27 seconds left in the game. That was the only thing they made in the second half. And to me, that is that right there is why um, Iowa can't win a national title. They might be able to get to a Final Four, but that's why they can't win a national title because their defense is not good enough to carry them to wins on the nights where teams are able to shut down Luka and Iowa's not making their threes, Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even argue with you in that scenario where I still think they have an opportunity. We have the player of the year on your team, like, which he's going to be. <laughs> he's going to be. Like, I can't – he has yeah, – they have a good chance, like a really good chance. Final four, I can see – I can foresee that being the case, especially – but I, I still think they have a good chance to get into the, uh, to the uh, NCAA championship. I just – even with their defensive issues, the problem with me with their defense is that they don't – they just don't stop anything. Like they don't, they like, they don't like, it's hard to, it's hard to like watch. It's almost like, all right, cool. They don't stop threes from going up. So they don't run people off the line. They kind of play contain, but then they don't contain either. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's almost like the, you can get whatever shots you want kind of, which, which was kind of happening. Like they kind of beat, they beat them off the dribble. They, they ran, they, they beat them in transition. They got a, bu- a bunch of bus- bats in transition early because they weren't even, in the end, it wasn't really, I would say they weren't like at, like dominant in the first half, not super dominant, but they got they got got some easy baskets early, and then they got comfortable as you know as the half went on. I mean, their defense, as far as I mean, Iowa's it it it, sh- it showed in the second half, like it was it was telling. So I actually thought I thought Iowa, I thought they played pretty well defensively in the first half. But that's because Indiana wasn't really running anything after they switched to a zone. Once the, yeah, Iowa went to a zone, and I and and Indiana didn't really, them. yeah. But like for so for the last twelve minutes or so of the first half, Indiana didn't really move at all. They were just kind of swinging the ball on the perimeter. They would have one guy like try to attack a gap. He wouldn't get anywhere, and then they'd just go back to swinging the ball around. There there was no movement whatsoever. And this matchup zone that Iowa plays, they were able to like match up out of it pretty easily because there wasn't all kinds of movements. Whereas in the second half, what they did to really like to really fuck them up was like the first play of the second half, instead of passing to a wing, what they did was they just had uh, Al Durham dribble over to a wing. And since you're playing that matchup zone, Jordan Bohannon, 
Yeah, was locked yeah. up on the man with the ball. When the guy went baseline, Connor McCaffrey tried to pass him off to the guy on the opposite wing, except the guy that was supposed to be on the opposite wing was guarding Trace Jackson Davis, who was at the rim. So Connor McCaffrey passed him off, but he what didn't – no one told him that was like you have to guard – like Trace Jackson Davis is right there. The, that communication was not yeah. there. So he was just kind of in no man's land, floating around at the foul line with no one to really guard. The ball got swung back to the top. Joe Wieskamp is pointing, p- trying to pass him off, trying to give him to someone. And McCaffrey like goes to the to the guy at the top of the key, which yeah. should have been Borhanan's man because exactly. they should have they could have should have switched there and, and passed him off. And no one was guarding trade. Like it was literally the most wide open I've ever seen a first team All American in a, on a college basketball court. But I mean, no one within like ten feet of him. But that's the issue when you go, when they go into these zones because they don't mm-hmm. it doesn't show it doesn't seem like they have any principles with their zone like usually like when I when we ran zone in college or even in pros it's, it's the man to man principle with the zone a little bit like obviously you're gonna have a man you're gonna have cert- certain people in this in that vicinity in that uh, in your area but I mean that's the problem with zones in general like because you can't guard man to man you you're gonna give up spots. Now. It's got it's it's the communication, right? Like we talked about this with Florida State, where they're the the man to man that they play is kind of like a zone because zone. yeah, you just you're they're passing every exchange, they're just passing people off, and you have to have that. You have to have in a matchup zone, you have to have great communication, and you have and to what, have great physicality, like like, yep. you, and that's one of the things that Iowa is missing because I mean, besides Luca Garza, of course, but you know when you're switching and you're supposed to stop guys like Florida mm-hmm. State. They're stopping guys, at least at the foul line. Maybe they get walked in because the guy's stronger than them, whatever the case may be. But, you know, where Iowa is, like, they switch. They don't get – they don't touch anybody. Everybody's moving around. They don't – like, they don't show any type of resistance at all. And A lot, a lot of straight line drives. Tons. Yeah. Tons. And it's like you just – like, when someone, like, just kind of squares you up, hits you with a jab one way – and it goes the other way and gets exactly where he wants to go to his spot. Like that's when you know you're not very good defensively. Like they got beat baseline the entire game. <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 one one jab and then beat get where where you want to go off of one jab when you're just squaring somebody up like that. That should not happen at that level. So, um, yeah, like it, it's it's a problem. And and I've kind of come around to the idea that in a vacuum, Iowa's defense is not. Like they can they can win a title with with the defense like the way that they play defense, assuming that they never have an off night offensively. But exactly. that's the that's, problem. That's the problem. Is that, exactly. Is that when you have that off night and and what Indiana did? So in the first half, Indiana just let Luca go one on one on the block every time he touched. They played behind him. They let him catch, and they just tried to like go one on one with with Trace Jackson Davis, and like that was a horrible fucking idea. Then like, they switched. Was, then they got him off him, and they put a uh, what's his yeah. name on him? Uh, but, was right, Thompson. They, was it Thompson? Yeah they, yeah, they put Race Thompson on him. Um, yeah, and and like Race would, uh, like he did fine. And then um, in the first half, like he was like Luca was still killing him. In the second half, I thought it was interesting. What they did was they put um, they put Geronimo. They put a, like a six yeah. six freshman big. They put Race Thompson. They fronted everything and yeah. they doubled him on a catch. And they just said, "If you, we're going to make you throw that pass over the top," and they got was him it a on couple the catch. Time. Was it in a yeah, catch? Because it looked like it was in a dribble. Well, they they didn't they didn't even let him they didn't even let him catch half the time. Like that was the thing. Like, right, cool, there was cool, such cool. a long stretch where they just did not let him get a catch because they just fronted and they made yeah. they made Ayo throw the ball over the top. And like the two or three times when he they actually completed that pass, like either it like went off of Luca's fingertips or he caught it, but he was too far under the basket. And like he yeah. doesn't have that explosion where he can go through and like finish 
when he, when he's when he's under the rim and he goes up to try to go through you, like he doesn't have the explosion to keep it from getting pinned against the backboard nah. or a jump ball. So like he's he kind of has to play a little bit of bully ball, and and it was it didn't work. Like I and I thought what Archie did in the second half was very smart. Uh, he mm-hmm. kind of got bailed out by the fact that Iowa missed like five wide open threes. Three, in the yeah, they missed a ton of shots in the second half. Yeah, they were they were five for twenty three from three, which is not it's that not ain't gonna get it done. So yeah, um, yeah, like I just they. If if I was not going to be elite offensively, and they're and they're going to do what they did against Indiana, then they're 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 not good enough defensively to do that. Yeah, but you notice when when Luca doesn't get the ball in the post, he starts stepping out more and more. And then when he starts mm-hmm. stepping out and he gets the ball, he starts dribbling and he puts his head. Like I kind of saw, like I would say, like three or four. Excuse me, not three or four, but like maybe two or three of those turnovers where he wasn't getting the ball in the post. He step out. And then now he's like, well, I'm just going to do it myself. And then those turnovers came. And it's yeah. not the first game I've seen where that would happen. Like, he's like, all right, all right, let me step out and go get it. Since I can't get – you guys can't get me the ball here or there. And I, I get it, but I kind of feel like that's another thing that can possibly harm them too. Because, I mean, he does a lot for them, but sometimes you can't do everything. Yeah, he's got a little bit of tunnel vision when he puts the ball on the yeah. floor like that. Like he, You, he you kinda, can see him look down yeah. and just – yeah, the ball goes down. He's, he's like, <laughs> he's, like he's got a one track mind, man. He's like, I'm, I'm getting me get to block, me make layup. <laughs> it's like a, oh, like a caveman. Don't, don't kill him with a caveman voice. <laughs> he's kind of kind of like a caveman. Him. Don't kill him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's 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 where I am on Iowa at this point. Uh, I don't I don't think that their defense is quite good enough for them to be able to be uh, what they were on Thursday on the offensive end. And maybe that's just a one-off, but um, to me, like that's, that's the concern. Like the, the thing about it with, uh, all right, let's take Baylor, for example, right? Like they, they really struggled offensively against Oklahoma state, but for like probably 32 minutes in that game on Saturday, even without Cade Cunningham, but eventually they put it together. They hit three straight threes and they kind of won running away because Oklahoma state was never able to get any separation because they, they couldn't do anything. Like Baylor's the best yeah. defensive team in the country. Same thing with uh, with with Gonzaga when they were at St. Mary's the other night. Remember? Yeah, um, I think that yeah, was yeah. last Saturday. Last Saturday, where, I'm saying. Where St. Mary's started out hot and, and Gonzaga just could not get into any kind of rhythm. But they decided, like, okay, we're going to have to win this game with our defense. And they just started getting stops. And once they started getting stops, then slowly but surely that transition game started waking up. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're off and running and they win by 15 on the road against their rival. So, um that to me is is the difference between Iowa and everyone else. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to more coaches stuff because I've seen some some chatter recently about guys like Mike White and guys like Brad Brunell um, who set a certain level of expectation with some of the stuff they did early on in the season and have not quite lived up to it for whatever reason. Um, so I, I I don't even know if this is necessarily an overreaction or a hot take or, or what, but uh, I just wanted like say for the record, you are out of your mind if you think that someone should get fired for for something that happens this season, right? If it's like, take Brad Brunell, for example. Um, been on the hot seat for a while because I think it's been now eight years since he reached an NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, it's a long time. And, yeah, it's a long time, even at a school like Clemson. Um, exactly. And they looked for a while like they were going to be the best team in the ACC. Uh, they, had a, they had a pause because of a, a positive test in the program. They were shut down for, I think, like 10 days or something like that, eight or 10 days. 
and they come back, and now everybody's beating them by 30. They've lost their last three games by okay. combined 72 points, which yeah. – and, and, you know, like that's the kind of thing where in a vacuum you say, well, you know what, that this is probably a sign that we need to need to change coaches. And it's just like, no, you cannot – not no, not this year. You cannot not this season. This I can't I see. I can't foresee somebody. I should. I can't say I foresee. I mean, I can't personally see someone being fired because of this season. Mind you, like before the season started, people were talking about not participating in the season. There were players that are in and out because of health issues. There, there there's t- tons of different types of protocols because of health in general. There's no consistency as a whole from the entire. <laughs> from the entire NCAA and all teams. So how could you in turn hold this one, like how could you in turn hold the coach responsible? I'm, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's like this of all years, this year isn't the year to do that. Like, it's just like, it, it doesn't even feel like it's a fair, like it's not a fair opportunity, a fair shot. Granted he's had seven prior seasons to impress his uh, counterparts. But even then I feel like, Nah, I couldn't possibly see him. Like, I can't possibly see see a fair like even playing field in this scenario. Like, it, like there's too much that's been happening and going on with within basketball and the college basketball to possibly fire somebody because of what's going on this season. Like, it, I I can't foresee that being the case. I hope not. Yeah, I mean, if you if you had said coming into the year, if you had told Brad Brunell, listen. If you don't make the NCAA tournament, we're going to have to make a change. That's just what it is. And he doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Then I think that that is something that's fine. Um, I would probably not do it myself, but I would understand it, right? Like it's been, it's been a lot. He's had enough chances to kind of prove himself. It kind of is what it is. He said eight um, years, yeah. But if you are, if you are letting him go and making that move because he started out nine and one, and then the wheels just completely fall, fell off and the bottom fell out of the season then that to me is like, you can't, you can't do that. If you were, if you were going to keep him, um, even if he missed the NCAA tournament, then you can't fire him because he went nine and one, uh, had the program shut down for 10 days. And then they just could not get it back going again. Like you just, you can't fire him for that. Same thing with Mike White. I understand the frustration that Florida fans have with him, but this season they had a player collapse at the start of the like people people don't talk about that anymore like Keontae exactly, Johnson right? collapsed Fives. from myocarditis and it was linked uh to the fact that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and had dealt with COVID-19 and um like you cannot like I, I'm chuckling because I don't really know what else that's not a funny thing like you cannot you can like you cannot overlook the fact yeah that's what I said how do you overlook that <laughs> that that this program had a player very nearly die he was critical for like four days. He was in a medical induced coma. He almost died. And their friend, they, their friends, their teammate, their yes. player, like the guy that they went into someone's home to recruit and bring there and promised that they would take care of. And so that's like a I wouldn't go as far as to say like, I mean, it's not I was uh what do you I would say traumatic. Is that a push? That's a traumatic no, no, thing I, to have happen to somebody. I, it absolutely is traumatic. Like to like, the players that are there, him, like the team's culture, like it's a traumatic thing to have happen. And for you to sit there and go, yeah, that sucks that that happened this year. 
but he's just not like what are we talking about here? Like in of all seasons. I understand if black if this was last year or even when all this stuff is all said and done and you're like, Yeah, you know what, Mike, you're not cutting it for our program. We don't we don't like what's going on, blah blah. blah. But like, how could you give anyone a fair like say you honestly gave somebody a fair shake? during a year like this like it's not a fair shake because of what's going on when you have to stop you have to stop games and and stop practices for two weeks to make sure everyone's healthy and then get them back in shape and like there's some of these people don't even have kids on their campus like at our school we don't have many kids on our campus like our guys had to take a two-week uh hiatus as well for covid protocol and these guys are just locked in their apartments, can't work out, work out the day before the game and go play. Like who wouldn't, who fires people in this climate? I kind of feel like that's you, you just looked for the smallest thing to get rid of someone for you. That's like an internal problem as opposed to like the actual basketball being the problem. Yeah. The the one thing I, the, there's two things I want to say. One, um, the, you cannot overlook the fact that Keontae Johnson was like also Mike White's best player and like probably the best player in the SEC. And so like it, it's, we would be saying the same thing if like, instead of almost dying because of a heart condition, he like tore his ACL. Right. I would, I would still be saying you can't, his best player, the SEC player of the year towards ACL. Like you can't fairly judge him on that. Like what he built like this entire team, this entire season around having this dude. And now he doesn't have this dude. You cannot, I, I just don't think you could fire someone for, for that when you're just missing your best player then throw on top of it the fact that like everything that happened with Keontae yes you're you're right you can't um I just don't think you can get rid of someone in that situation but I do think that if you are talking about say like let's say this thing with with stack kind of spirals right and you know he starts throwing more players under the bus and he keeps arguing with more people on Twitter and he like keeps cursing out fans and in, in, in DMs on Twitter like that's the kind of thing where it's like, well, you know what? Maybe that's uh, we need to make a change here because this guy just isn't up for the job. Like, what? Like, I can see how that decision would get made, and I, I don't think I would necessarily hate that. Um, but I do think that uh, it's a very different. Con- that's not a performance thing. You know what no, I'm saying? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is totally like those are different completely so yeah completely different realms uh all right last thing we're going to do before we get out of here there's two things that i want you to to make a decision on i want you to tell me who uh you were most impressed with out of the 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 three biggest games of the weekend we had missouri going into knoxville and knocking off tennessee in the conzo martin invitational we had ohio state going into wisconsin and knocking off the badgers uh winning by 12 or creighton um, beating UConn at home. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski had a couple of big shots. UConn was in that game for a while, uh, ended up um, giving up a, a 10-0 run. At the wrong time, Creighton got hot at the right time. So out of those three team, or three games, who were you most impressed with? Uh, probably more geared to Ohio State. I mean, Creighton going into UConn, which is not an easy thing to do, and winning – that game, it, it's good. At the same time, you they're without like one of their best players this year. So like, I mean, I can't, I can't hold it to the same weight. Um, going into 
Wisconsin and and beating them is like this is I still I, I like Wisconsin. I think it's an achievement because <laughs> like, they have one of the best guards in the country. They have two of uh, uh, the best big tandems that you can have in the Big Ten. Um, they are physical. They play very well together, and for them to go in there and beat a team that act like that is impressive. I, like I, I can't weigh the other teams to that. I think I would probably go with Missouri, um, be, mostly because of like, look, they they kicked Tennessee's ass. There's there's something <laughs> going on in Tennessee. Like I I got to try to figure out what it is. Like there's just something is not clicking there, and it's more than just Jaden Springer being out. Like John Fulkerson has been horrible for a while. That toughness that we saw from them before just is not there. Uh, so there's something going on with Tennessee, and, and we'll we'll get to the bottom of it. We'll figure it out, and I think they're going to eventually turn it around. There's too much talent there not to, but. Uh, they have definitely come crashing back to earth. Um, I think that's the, the, the easiest thing to say. Go ahead. That's happening. That's happening to a lot of teams, though, man. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like a lot of people are taking their dips where they take their dips right now. Uh, whether it be through a two week uh, protocol, whether it be through you know in house stuff, and, or, or just not playing well, man. It, it's just, like I was happy to see Rutgers get a win. <laughs> it's, hey, it's, man. it's been what five games for what is it they they had lost five in a row and six out of seven they needed that we'll, we'll get to yeah. Rutgers in a second we'll get to Rutgers in a second but the so the other thing about Missouri and Conzo winning that game is like when Conzo left Tennessee uh it was not on the best of terms um there were some issues involved uh from what from from stories that have been reported at the time uh, with having a black head coach at that university. And uh, I think oh, yeah. that I think that there was uh, – that probably felt very good for Conzo to go into that arena and whip Tennessee's ass when Tennessee was a top-10 team. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he'd ever say it publicly, uh, but I got to think that that Conzo uh, was very, very pleased um, by getting that win. So hey, man, uh, good for him. Take your victories I, how you get them. Take your victories yeah, how you get so them. So I've always liked Conzo. Um, he's always been good to me. I do think, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I do think that he is probably like top three on the most intimidating coaches list. Have you ever talked to him? No, never, actually. <laughs> he's, 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 he's like 6'6", six, six. he's got the bald head, and he's got, he's got the deepest voice, I think, of any coach I've ever met in my life. And he's just like, you know how there's those, those guys that just kind of have that presence, that – that big larger John. than life presence, you know who you know who's got a, the yeah Big John had one of those. John, uh, Bob Huggins has one of those. Yeah. Frank Martin has one of like. There's guys that it's just like when you're around them, you're like, oh shit, like this, this dude's kind of scary. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Conzo's absolutely uh, one of those guys, uh, very intimidating. So um, I'm glad uh, I'm glad he got that one. Good for him. All right, the most important win of the weekend. I think there are five teams that kind of fall into that conversation. Rutgers went into Indiana and got a win. Uh, Stanford, without Zaire Williams, without Dejon Davis, and without Bryce Wills, knocked off UCLA, who was undefeated in the Pac-12 at home, despite the fact – how about this? Stanford has been living in a hotel, playing yeah. off-campus, because their, uh, their their school is basically – like, in that county, you're not allowed to have any any groups. Like, you can't yeah. – yeah. they're not allowed to practice with the number of players that they have in a practice gym. Uh, in the county where, where Palo Alto is. So they're playing at like the Santa Cruz Warriors building and living in a hotel, which is part of the reason why I think Zaire Williams made the decision to attend a funeral and uh, 
why I don't know if we're going to be seeing him back um, at Stanford at any point in time uh, very soon. So, um, yeah, so Stanford's win against UCLA, shorthanded. Uh, Louisville knocking off Duke. Uh, Maryland going into Minnesota and just kicking Minnesota's ass. Or Kentucky putting up 82. Did you know Kentucky could score 82 points? I thought they I would need learned. three halves. I thought they would need I three thought- halves to score 82 <laughs> points. And uh, so, they they, uh, so. they beat up on LSU, man. So <laughs> it's those five teams. Was it Rutgers? Was it Stanford? Was it Louisville? Was it Kentucky? Or was it Maryland that had the uh, the most important win of the weekend? Stanford and Rutgers have the most important ones because their team needed those. Cal needed that win. Um, I feel like Cal probably needed that win more than with their team. I mean, their team definitely needs the win. But I feel like we've seen Kentucky win and then fall back into like their stuff. So it's not like I don't I don't foresee Kentucky like uh winning and then turning over a new leaf. Like that wasn't that's not the vibes I'm getting from the team as of right now. So I feel like that win is more like the coach the coach the coach needed that win. Whereas opposed to Rutgers who was like lost five straight games. Like that team who's a good team, as a very well coached team and a good team who's just hasn't looked good. hasn't been in, in it. They needed that win so they can like build off of that win, regardless if it's Indiana, who's not the best team, but then this is the same Indiana that just knocked off the number four team in the country a couple of days prior. So like, you know, they're not like a bum team at the moment. They, they probably felt good that, that day too. And they, they lost to a, who I still think is a decent Rutgers team. They just have fallen on hard times. So I feel like I mean, that was really needed. That. Yeah. Rutgers has had the the worst of the uh, the Big Ten as a gauntlet life. Yeah, it's been it's been on. really been really really rough for them. Um, so yeah, they absolutely needed that. Uh, I think honestly, look, I I think the Maryland storyline is awesome. Like they're they're zero and six in the uh, in the Big Ten, unless they are like they haven't won a Big Ten game except for when they are on the road against teams ranked in the top 17 yeah. of the AP poll. It's hilarious. They're fucking killing. And they're killing. Yeah. That's the best. They, won, they won at Illinois. They won <laughs> at Wisconsin. And they won yeah. at Minnesota. And they've lost every other game they've played in the Big Ten, which is just so funny to me, man. Like, how does how does that happen? How does that some, happen? Some people, some people just get on the road against big teams and just do and I, Hey, man, like, that might be enough to get them into the NCAA tournament, too. How many teams have three wins as good as, as how crazy is that? Three best wins. That's crazy when you think how about crazy, it. So, how crazy is that? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I and yes, you're right about uh Kentucky. Um, although I will say this, like this has been the most interesting Kentucky team to me, like it's probably since the the undefeated team. Like I cannot get enough of these guys. I cannot get enough of the storyline, I cannot get enough of like coach Cal trying to figure it out like it's like the the puzzle that you just can't get done like you know how there's like if you do a crossword puzzle and you'll just sit there and you'll stare at it and you're like I don't want to google these answers I'm going to try to figure this out myself but you can't quite get there and there's always like a couple of letters just just aren't aren't you can't figure out there's a couple (laughs) of clues you just can't figure out that you're like almost right there and I feel like that's what Kentucky has been for a while now. Like there's, it's starting to come together. BJ Boston is starting to make some shots. Keon Brooks is starting to play bigger minutes. Uh, we're starting to see Devin Askew and Davion Mitz figure it out. Like Dante Allen is starting to make some shots and, and learn what his role is. Isaiah Jackson is not making as many horrible decisions on the defensive end. It's uh, like and, a, it reminds me of like a little soap opera, bro. Yeah, and and I like feel- this, <laughs> this is the moment it finally like- came together. And here's the thing, <laughs> I want I want Kentucky to like get hot and, and win win like 
nine of their last 11 games. I want to see them in a position where like you have a 12 or 13 loss Kentucky team that is on the bubble, but finished like second in the sec. I want, I want that so bad because that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like, so if they play 27 games this year, right. And they lose 10 of them, they'd be 17 and 10, right. Let's say they, they lose one more game in sec play. There's not a lot of great wins available to them. Right. Because there's not a lot of great teams in that league. So let's say that they, they end up, they end up going 17 and 10. They're probably still on the bubble. They might end up being on the wrong side of the bubble. I would, they but still. I, 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 I cannot, I want that to happen. Like I, everything about this is just fascinating to me. So they still uh, have like maybe, four ranked teams to play. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe they will have a chance. Maybe Alabama, they, Texas, Mizzou, and then Tennessee twice. Yeah. They got a chance. Oh, I forgot about the Texas game. Texas game. Yeah. It's right here. It's coming up. Uh, this and, weekend, right? Yeah. After Alabama, they got Alabama again. Man. On the 18th. Right, so. oh, what is that? No, that's 18 Alabama. I'm tripping. They got it. They got it. Uh, not tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> All right. I just pulled up their schedule. Here are the next five. Yeah. Games. I'm like Alabama. <laughs> at Texas. Alabama, Texas at home, at Missouri, Tennessee at home. See, Woo. Did they a, get Arkansas? Didn't they get Auburn? Oh man! If they win, if they win these next Ooh. three, if they can even win two out of these three games, I feel like I'll just retract everything I said about them. Yeah, I can. I, 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 I love them. I'm just, I'm always so fascinated about them, and I, and, and I want them to figure it out. There's times when I kind of feel like a Kentucky fan, right? Like I feel like I'm like, oh, guys, I'm like, telling you, bro, that fucking shot. Think, think about, think about what you, what you just said earlier, man. Like they got. They got the stuff going on with Cal talking about the guys on the team. Then you got the guys. One of the guys on the team has a seat. He can't play. He's not doing well. There's a guy on the team that just never plays. All of a sudden, he gets in the game. It's just like create. It almost creates this narrative for each player and each uh, each player on his team. Like it's yeah. like it's like a, it's like a literally like a storyline thing. Cal does like. <laughs> Like it, it's insane, bro. Like it, it, it makes it. It's very entertaining. I, I hope they do well. I'm excited to see them play against Texas. I want to see how Olivier Sar does against uh, Jericho Sims in the gang. That'll be that'll be fun. Not well. Here's to hoping that we see Keon Burks <laughs> at the five in that game. All right, Deshaun. I think we've been here for long enough, man. We kept you guys yeah. here for about an hour. Uh, we, hey man, we got we got a good a good week of basketball coming up. Texas Tech and 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 your boys are playing uh, tomorrow night. We have yeah. Kentucky Alabama uh, on Tuesday night. Um, so we got we got some we got some good hoops coming here soon. One of these one one night this week, where uh, me and you are going to go with the live stream, the beers and ball live stream again. Um, and until then, uh, we will see you guys and we will catch up soon.